Welcome to Happy Poly Days, a series of intimate conversations about polyamory, sexuality, identity and relationships, hosted by me, Leanne Yao of the Polyphilia blog. Hello and welcome to day two of the Happy Poly Days series. Today I'll be speaking with Annie, who runs the account Annie Undone, about polyamory and kink. Annie, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and talk about your platform and like what you primarily create content about? Just a bit more about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm Annie Undone and I started this platform in a burst to want to like get all of the thoughts in my head that were going on out there. I kind of came into polyamory by way of kink. We kind of had started, my husband and I had started our kinky journey together and it was suggested to me very forwardly by somebody on Reddit that he wanted to like call me mommy and I was like, I'm really interested in that. (laughs) And all of a sudden I find myself saying to my husband one night, like there's this guy and he um, has suggested to me this thing. What do you think of it? And he was basically like, let me see this guy's picture. And so I show him the picture and he's like, yeah, I would 100% let you, you know, fuck this guy. (laughs) And I was like, completely surprised by this. And that was like, literally how we got into polyamory this guy like smashed my heart into a million damn pieces but on the (laughs) other side of that i was like i think this is really for me i think i'm capable of having like feelings for more than one person and exploring that from a kink dynamic perspective that has evolved (laughs) very much since that time i mean for me it just started as like a, a kinky venture And it then kind of like rolled into polyamory in a more comprehensive way. But that's how I kind of came in, I guess, like sort of mistakenly. And it was on our radar anyway. We had a couple of friends who were in the swinging venture. And so we kind of like took a little bit of a chapter from them, like, oh, we can do this. And then we're like, oh, and we can do this. So we kind of started out as like kinky swingers, I guess. Okay, okay. Lack of a better phrase. And then I very quickly developed a dynamic which started as a total power exchange with my partner Sam who lives Mm -hmm. in the EU and we fell in love and that was like a whole other thing yeah like I I find your story so interesting genuinely because um you know there's such a massive overlap between the polyamory and kink communities um and I, I think that's kind of well established fact you know some people like get into kink through polyamory and then some people get into polyamory through kink and so I guess like you know one of my first questions for you is um, how do these two things influence each other you know like in a positive or negative way like you know like what skills have you picked up from kink that do you think lend itself lends itself well to polyamory um and vice versa I think what's What's interesting about kink is that like the kink community is very open-minded and very like, it's your dynamic. So it can look like whatever you want, which is so extremely compatible with polyamory and the discussions on consent and how a dynamic should work are lend itself very well to the medium of polyamory, especially Mm -hmm. when you're like negotiating intentional relationships. Um, I think that is probably one of the more um, wonderful things that kink has given me conversation, like language to discuss like sex, consent, safety, all those things. Mm -hmm. The darker side of that, I think would be that sometimes when you're in a 
casual sex place or in an, I would say this is more to non the non-monogamy side versus the polyamory side. But when you're okay. in a non-monogamous sex space, sometimes people use kink moves as sex moves. And you're like, whoa, what the hell are you doing? This should be negotiated. So I've had that happen too, which I think can be a more like negative side Mm -hmm. in my experience. But Mm -hmm. I think that in kink, especially for people who find themselves in a switchy space, I'm a bratty sub. I'm also a mommy dom. Mm -hmm. I have very switchy tendencies. So I think polyamory is great for that because you can explore the wide breadth of everything that kink has to offer or if you're into group play dynamics which are so much fun yeah (laughs) um, you can do that too like we once had a relationship with a couple and it was just really like kinky play and it was so much fun exploring all the ways that that comes together so yeah yeah honestly I think like we could have like a whole other conversation about like group play dynamics um and uh, <laughs> um because you know I do love a good orgy <laughs> um, yet to break yeah. the four person like I can't get past four like really? how, how do I get five of these people in the room I just oh man <laughs> Oh, no, like I, I think like the, the most people I've had, like kind of engaging with each other on like a single bed was probably like eight people. <laughs> um, well, so, but you, you are a megasexual. That yeah. is my husband. He is a megasexual. Yeah. I stray more to, I'm emotional, but like, okay. I need to have some kind of connection to someone, but I can forge that connection. Just give me five minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's completely reasonable. Oh. Like there are definitely situations where like I'm doing stuff with someone um, and then they engage with another person. And then like, because of that, because I have that person in the middle as like a go-between, then I'm like more comfortable um, engaging with that other person. I know that you had a couple of questions from uh, your followers that you collected in a question sticker. Yes. Um, and I suppose um, we can go through those now. Yeah. So this one, the, the one that kind of like captured my imagination the most was this one. Because mm-hmm. I felt like this person looked right into my soul with this question and I didn't love okay. it. Said, how do you repair a breach of trust while not allowing it to negatively impact other partners who were not involved? So you have a kink dynamic, something's gone terribly wrong, there's been a breach of trust, and how do you not allow it to negatively impact the other partners who were not in that scene with you in that kink space? And I, you don't. <laughs> It's impossible. I actually like just had something like this happen in September where I had a failed scene with a partner. It was what my therapist might call a trauma. I don't know that I would like to call it that, but for me, like it kind of took down my kink all the way down. And I had to really be honest with all of my partners about that even a new partner I have and kind of let them know like how it had impacted my kink and how I was planning on working through it. It brought up questions of safe wording, body autonomy, all of those things. I see polyamory as an ecosystem. And like when one part of the ecosystem goes down, everything is touched. I mean, in theory, sure, you can keep dynamics separate, but in practice, If something happens and you now need to take this item off the table for a while in kink, of course, that's going to spread to your other dynamics. So there's no way to avoid that. So I guess the simple answer would just be communication. (laughs) Okay. 
I think it's very unrealistic to kind of be able to keep like issues like within one relationship and not have any of it kind of bleed out like at all into the other things I mean you know even with friends like if you're like you know going through some shit with one person like that's gonna kind of affect whoever else you're relating to at the time right like if something's going on with your family then that's gonna affect things with your friends like I think you know to kind of uh, say that oh you know you should, you should just compartmentalize and like you know keep that all like within like you know I think there should be some effort not to like let it just kind of explode and have like a domino effect right but um, I think you know keeping it completely you know within that little bubble is like an unrealistic expectation. I mean it's hard I've seen some people do it that they can compartmentalize to like an astounding degree I just don't have that in me. I think that's why, that's part of why I'm kitchen table. If someone was like, do parallel poly, I'd be like, no, I can't do it. Like I, this is not going to happen for me. And I think I kind of approach, like, I have a very loose attitude to about like sharing with my other partners, which, so I think that feeds into, I think of kink a little bit as like a high level sex game. And so I want to involve as many people in that as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we never quite got there. But with my submissive Sam, I was like, hey, what if like, I deny you and like, you can't have an orgasm until my husband tells me that I can have an orgasm. And he was like, would I then (laughs) beg him to make you come? And I was like, exactly. Like, wow. That's what I oh my God. <laughs> that's what I want to do with my life. <laughs> that's incredible. Oh my God. Like this completely reminds me of a threesome I had one time with this couple where basically the the women like in, in that couple, like she's like, you know, relatively like submissive or maybe I wouldn't say she, you know, she normally takes like the more passive role in the bedroom. I wouldn't necessarily say there's mm-hmm. like a distinct kind of like kink dynamic there, right? In the same way. And because like basically like her her partner is much older than her, like he's like twice her age, you know, he's used to kind of taking the more kind of active and dominant role in the bedroom just because that's kind of, you know, that's just kind of how it works out. But he had been asking for her to like dominate him a little, like be a little more kind of like assertive and stuff. Um, And I think like she was just finding it like, uh, you know, difficult to compute because like, obviously like she saw him as like this, like, you know, figure and, you know, obviously like the age kind of thing, like factors into it as well, right? So I think she found it very, very difficult to dominate someone who was twice her age and who she like looked up to in that way, Um, which like I totally get, right? Um, And kind of when I came on to like, the scene I guess like we had a threesome at one point and it was really interesting because basically what ended up happening was that she uh like dominated him by like ordering him around to do things to me so like she was able to she was able to dominate him when he wasn't kind of like actively engaging with her but if she was like you know more removed from the situation then like she could like kind of order him around and tell him you know like what to do and what not to do and I was just there having a great time (laughs) like Like, I love that I have like a little bit because I'm very switchy Mm -hmm. I have like a little bit of a guide that I use when I like meet people it's a little bit of an intuitive guide when I'm trying to decide what a dynamic might be with a person if they sort of give me that like ooh, I'm kind of scared of them like that's my dom if I I sort of like scare them a little then like I'm the dom and like if we like get in a place and we like kind of scare each other then we switch (laughs) (laughs) oh my god it's more, I use the word scare, but it's more like, a, oh, you make me nervous. Like, what are you going to do? Like, yeah. 
I want to know. So yeah. that's kind of my guide I used on that. I do have a question though. Like, how do you distinguish between like someone who is kind of like scaring you in that like, oh, this is sexy kind of way, you know, or, or, and like the, you know, this is a red flag kind of way. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I don't know. You know, to be honest, I really have only been submissive with a few people. I'm probably a little more selective on the submissive end than I am on the doming end, although that's not entirely true. <laughs> um, but <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I, you know, I I started out just with my husband being submissive yeah. to him. Um, yeah, and, with and you him. built up that dynamic um, over time. There was trust and all over yeah. a really long time, and like naturally, like we didn't even know that's really what we were doing. Like I didn't know I was kinky until Reddit told me I was kinky. What? I like Reddit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is happening to me? And I'm like, okay, now I get on the Reddit. And I'm like, and then it's like BDSM. And I was like, how did I not know this was a thing? And then like, I started like reading everything about it. And I was oh like, my oh my God, I'm submissive. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a brat. And then I wrote the brat guide. And then this guy was like, also, and I was like, oh yeah. Oh my God, all these things. So like, I kind of started there with him. And we had a play partnership with another couple and the female Joanna was very um, toppy with me sometimes. So sometimes she and my husband would top me while her boyfriend sort of did like a submissive thing, mm. which was super fun. That was like one of my most memorable like scenes of life. Yeah. My husband was having sex with me and she was like pinching my nipples and he was like directing her like what to do. And mm. then like every time it would get too much, my husband would like slap me in the face and I, and I would be like, Ooh. <laughs> and, then, oh <laughs> and then the guy, Scott was just like rubbing my feet and being like, you're doing such a good job. <laughs> I was like, this is the moment right here. <laughs> this is so, so like, scandalous. <laughs> it really was great. I don't yeah. know. Like I, that sticks out to me a lot that, that one, but then sometimes they would all gang up on me mm. and like embarrass me or like talk about me. Like I wasn't in the room. Like Joanna. Would oh, be like, oh, you know, I, I have, I have such a thing for that. It's, <laughs> it's really bizarre. Like, I don't know where degradation things come from, honestly, but like, I have a real thing for people doing stuff to me, but also pretending I'm not there. If that makes yeah, sense. Well, it's like, there's like a sliding scale, right? Yeah. From like neutral to embarrassment, to humiliation, to degradation. And like, it's such a weird, I love embarrassment is great. Like I love being embarrassed and they would do like, I remember Joanna being like one time, like stopping the room and being like, get over here and just taste her pussy. And like, they all like talked about it. Like I wasn't, and I was like, oh my God, this is so <laughs> freaking humiliating like oh my god (laughs) very like odd and so like there's that and then there's like just the most degrading stuff which I kind of get I have a little bit like if I'm gonna do super degrading stuff I really want to be in role play for that because Mm. to me I don't want to be like mega degraded as myself I this is interesting like this is so interesting because like I you know like I you know dabble in like kind of kink stuff right but I actually don't like role play which is very which is yeah. very strange and I know that's like not really a common I think people usually kind of take on some kind of persona right but then like I no, um, I don't think that I think it's totally common some people oh, really? Just really have an aversion yeah some people just really have an aversion to it. I have really only had one role play partner okay okay my- 
in my king, most people are like, what, role playing? No, what does, what does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, you know, I find it really difficult. Like I, you know, I really want to be myself like in a sexual situation, right? And so I, and also like, I think I take it too seriously because like, I also have like a bit of an acting kind of like background-ish, you know, I did a me, lot of like too. acting in school. I'm and so it, it kind of fucks with me. Like if I have to like engage like both those things at the same time and I'm like, I, you know, I, I have to go into like actor mode or I like have to go in like, so it, it really like doesn't match in the same way for me. For me, sometimes when I'm, I'm like the opposite. I, mm-hmm. To me, I'm like, okay, if I'm in a role play, I can do and say crazy things that I wouldn't do or say. It's like I sexy improv. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So like, we would have these role plays that we would do, I would do with this one partner of mine and we would just, and sometimes the agreement would just be whatever, somebody's gonna say something crazy and you're just gonna go with it. And mm. I mean, I discovered kinks I didn't know I had as a result of role play, mm. um, where like we would go some dark places and I'd be like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. How, that's okay. So, yeah. and we did a lot of like CNC and things like that. Yeah. Um, which for those people who maybe are not, who are less kink fluent is consent, non-consent, which I, some people I think consider fringe play. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, yeah. I don't know. I've actually engaged in a fair bit of like not CNC specifically, but kind of basically like I have this one friend um, who is extremely kinky and also kind of loves to like explore like their traumas like through through kink so like one of those things is like religious. I love to do that too yeah so like you know they have like a lot of religious trauma because like they were raised Mormon and then so basically one time like I participated in like this scene that they were doing um, where I was more like an audience member but like because it was part of the humiliation stuff like they wanted an audience so I was part of the audience so I, I wasn't like directly involved in the scene in the same way but I was like present you know and like um and it was like an exorcism type thing and it did get to like some pretty extreme levels and I was just there like oh my god <laughs> like what am I watching <laughs> um but that yeah. is what I love that mm-hmm. is what I love about kink is like there's always something to explore around like the next to me like everything is a kink like I was having this conversation ironically with my mother um because we talk about a lot of this stuff so really yeah like I have a really unique relationship with my mom this is like we just started talking about it but we were talking about the fact that somebody had said to me more recently I want to recite soliloquies into your pussy and I was like, that is oh kinky. Gosh. I love that. And my mom was like, is it though? Is it kinky? And I was like, anything's a kink if you want it to be. Like mm-hmm. high romance can be a kink. Like anything. And that's, I mean, my gentle femdom is how I discovered like, holy shit, I'm a romantic human. I had no idea. Or like hmm. I had shoved it so far down that I was like, I don't ever want to say like that vulnerable ass shit <laughs> to anyone but kink gave me a container to to say those things within a dynamic and like helped me take it from the container and apply it to my love life in polyamory and with and and with my husband I mean that my like sort of my formative myth of how I got into kink was that I was 
having sex with my husband one day. I was kind of in the middle of this whole life journey at the time. And that's a separate story. Mm-hmm. But um, like I had to said to my acupuncturist, like he was like, what do you want to do this week in acupuncture? And I was like, I just want you to like pry open my ribs and expose my heart. Oh my God. And he like, <laughs> and I have heard perfect. similar things. Oh my God. Like some things can stay in the fantasy realm. And like, you know, that you can find, you can like, there are, there are some fantasies that my friends have told me about that, like they can never live out and they're so, you know, upset about it. But like, I, if they actually lived out those fantasies, they would like literally die. Um, and I speak very like, I speak very metaphorically to my acupuncturist and he understands exactly what I mean, mm-hmm. but it was like, he put, he like shined the light in me that week. And I was like with my husband and I was, we were like having sex and I was like, asked him to tell me he loved me, which I hadn't done in the 15 year history of us being married. Mm -hmm. And I was like, kind of slightly embarrassed about it. And then he like said it. And I was like, that was unsatisfying. (laughs) And then like, he said it again, cause he wanted to say it. Mm-hmm. And it was like this invisible wall that I didn't even know was there, just like shattered. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need this guy. And I'm like, <laughs> I trust him. And then I was like, I think it was like two days later, I was like, can you just like make me choke on your dick or something? Oh my God. <laughs> it was like, finally, I was like, oh, I'm kinky. And yeah. that's like how I got into things. Oh my God. Look, you know, I'm sure like we can, you know, talk forever kind of sharing like salacious sex stories and kind of group dynamics and that kind of thing. Like, honestly, I feel like that's like a whole other kind of thing in itself. Um, But I think like, we're going to kind of bring it back a little bit and talk about, I guess like what you've learned, you know, like on your like kink journey that has been kind of helpful to uh, polyamory and, you know, just kind of share like any kind of personal like sage wisdom, I guess, kind of that you've picked up, you know, in the last however many years that you've been you've been practicing kind of both both or either of these things you know I think it's a constant process Mm -hmm. I think right now for me my biggest thing is consent and body autonomy um every time I think I have it down there's something new for me to learn in that space so that's been something that I think is always worth an examination because those conversations like change. I think they change with age. I think that they change. I mean, also I should preface that with coming from a very monogamous background and moving into non-monogamy brings up a lot of those issues anyway. Like how can you know that you have consent issues if you've been with the same person for 16 years monogamously, which I Mm. was. Uh, So I think having that language is like, is really important. Um, and, and, it's interesting because there's, it's not as easy as it would seem things like saying your safe word when you need to, I mean, and these things really do matter. So I think, you know, trust and aftercare and the same concepts that you would want in polyamory, right? The ability to communicate gently, um, to know that you can trust the person you're with and be honest with them, or that if something goes wrong, somebody's going to care for you because these are like really intense spaces. Like kink is an intense, an, an intense emotional space, but polyamory is an intense emotional space. And like, I'm attracted to both of those things because they're intense, but they also require higher level communication skills than what you might need in a vanilla relationship or a monogamous relationship. So you have to really do your homework on these things. You can't go in and be like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to like try to choke you out or whatever. (laughs) 
that's dangerous. You can't just do that. And I think the same thing is true with polyamory. Like these are real people. These are real, real people's feelings. If you fail to examine your couple's privilege, if you fail to communicate properly with a partner, there's real collateral damage on the other side of that. So I think that, I guess the theme is like, they are both mediums for personal growth. And like, you Mm. can go as far with it as you want to. Mm. Um, but you have to like educate yourself and you have to be risk aware and you have to be able to do all of the, the high level thinking that those upper echelon skills are going to ask you to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's real. I think like the consent framework, like in, in BDSM, like lends itself like so well to polyamory, right? Like, you know, you have to, you have to negotiate everything beforehand, like so explicitly. Um, yes. And um, if something kind of hasn't been, uh, it like hadn't been kind of brought up or communicated, then like you, you know, you, you kind of are on the side of caution and kind of ask about it, right? Like, um, and I think like having that framework in place, like would be really useful in a polyamorous dynamic, because I see so many situations where couples are opening up and like, you know, some of them, some of them like, don't kind of talk about boundaries at all and then it kind of goes up in flames and then other people like they do have like a boundaries talk like you know they make certain agreements and blah 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 um but then they fail to account for some things and then you know someone's like on a date they're not sure whether something is like is going to make their partner feel like uncomfortable or cross boundary and then they just kind of make a judgment call and it turns out to be wrong and like and that can be depending on the judgment call like that can be super difficult to kind of repair right I've noticed that my best dynamics and my best polyamorous relationships have the same thing in common. Mm -hmm. It's intention. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Like all the times that I've been like, yeah, let's see what happens. Disaster. Like you can't, you can't really do that. Like you have to have some intention behind these things, or at least I do. Like maybe it works, maybe it works out for people um, aligning in those ways, but I think it's just much riskier. So I think that putting good intention and negotiation behind relationships of any kind really does help. But I think in order to do that, you also have to know yourself. You have to know what your values are. You have to know what your limits are. So really it's about knowing yourself, I guess, at the end of things, like know yourself, bring your values to the table and have intention, whether it's kink or polyamory, you have to do those things. If you want to be successful, I mean, you can do those things and you can run through as many partners as you'd like. And some people that might be what works for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who, am I, who am I to judge yeah um are there any aspects of polyamory and kink that you think clash like at all like are there any bits where you don't think that they can be so compatible sometimes BDSM dynamics make polyamory stickier mm. um like for example titles there was like a huge I don't want to say dust up long-term debate, I guess we could call it in my mm-hmm. polycule for a while, because like, well, what do you do if two of the men in the quad both identify as daddy, but they don't want you calling them both daddy? <laughs> does the title go with the Dom? Does the title go with the dynamic? Those are not clear cut things, right? Yeah. And I think also another aspect of it that I, I am genuinely really curious about is like, you know, there's so much kind of, you know, power exchange and, um, you know, play with like hierarchy, right? Like in, mm-hmm. in the kink community, that's very like clearly delineated. And, you know, polyamory, you know, like the mainstream kind of polyamory uh, rhetoric is that like, you know, to move away from hierarchy. So how do you reconcile that? 
Well, I don't think that kink is necessarily hierarchical because it has okay. its containers, right? Like, so you can have whatever dynamic you want, but you have to, you have to decide where that exists. So like, I'm experience-based, so I'll just talk from my own frame of reference. Sure, of right? course, like, of course. We can only ever speak from our own uh, experience. <laughs> so like with my husband, we have a, basically a bedroom dynamic. And sometimes like it spills out, but like in, in fun ways, right? Like, yeah. for example, like I might call him daddy, like in front of like my kid, but like that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. So like, it's more of like a little bit low key. Um, or I might do very service- I might do things that look like they're housewife ass shit, but they're just like me being like a service submissive. Like, let me cook you dinner. Let me do the laundry. Let me vacuum. I'm just trying to get laid. Okay. Like, <laughs> so usually, I'm mostly... going to cook for you going and you're like, wink. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, hey. like the way I fold that laundry daddy. Um, but like, <laughs> so there's like, there's a bedroom element and then there's like a home element to it for me. Mm-hmm. But then like with my partner, Sam, who lives in the EU, I might do total power exchange with him because I'm on top of that dynamic and he doesn't have any other partners right now. So if we want to do total, ex- total power exchange for two weeks where I tell him exactly whatever he's allowed to do sexually or otherwise, that works for him. Would that work for me to have a total power exchange with person X? Well, probably not because I'm in charge of someone else and I have a dynamic with my husband. So those things wouldn't work. But if Mm. I want to have a bedroom role play dynamic with person X, that works great. Yeah. Or if I want to have a switchy dynamic with somebody, then I can. I also know somebody um, who's like in my discord and she has three partners and they collaborate to like give her denial for like a complete week. So I think it just depends like how you're going to go about your kink and how Mm -hmm. comfortable everybody is with one another. Um, Yeah, yeah. I think you've made a very clear distinction between like, you know, something that's like a strictly bedroom dynamic and something that's more like 24 seven type thing. And like, if you have like multiple 27, 24 seven things, then like, they're going to conflict each other with each other in a bigger way than like, if you kind of had like separate kind of bedroom things. Is that what you're trying to say? Yes. And like with Sam and I, we started out total power exchange 24 seven. That's what it was. But that I will warn you has a, 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 a time clock on it, in my opinion. Like it's really? very hard to sustain. We found it unsustainable, even though we really enjoyed it. Um, so what we did, one of the rituals that we have developed now, when we want to do power exchange, we put it in a container and I have him put a piece of paper in his pocket that says owned. And when the piece of paper is in his pocket, total power exchange is in play. And if I say like, for example, if we were in the middle of total power exchange and he needed to do something else that required him to not be in power exchange, he would just say, can I take this piece of paper out of my pocket? And I would say, yes. And then that delineates how that goes. Now we always have a power exchange in place that is DS. Like I'm always kind of on top of that dynamic, but it's not always total power exchange, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, that completely makes sense. Like there are obviously the, you have, they have some moments where you like kind of snap out of the dynamic and go like, okay, but like it, like, you know, let's yes. go back to the real world for a second. Like there's something I need to do, um, which completely right. makes sense. Right. Like, you know, you need to have like an out um, to, you know, even if it's like to renegotiate something that uh, isn't working 
working or like if you're experiencing like sub drop dom drop like whatever like um, yeah and then some dynamics can be so casual that they have no definition and they're just like a series of like voice exchanges like pickup style mm-hmm. like someone pops in and says hey miss annie can you do whatever for me today and i'll be like yeah i can <laughs> let's go and that might be five minutes of my day but it's just very pickup style Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense I guess it's like you know how much it bleeds into your life and you know how that kind of interacts with everything else that's going on right like that completely makes sense so you know in, in answer to kind of my question about like hierarchy like it's like yeah it depends on like whether it's 27 worth versus like just in the bedroom and it also kind of and therefore like how much that like affects like other stuff kind of going on um in your life like you said like it'd be difficult to have a 24 7 dynamic with someone like where they were like dominant say because like that would not only affect you but also affect your husband and your life with your husband. Right. And there's like, it's funny because there's like, there's like a natural flow, I guess, to some of like the dynamics too. Like if my husband says to me, like if he, if he's at work, for example, and he texts me like, go put in a plug for like 30 minutes, like I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to do that like right now. But he's really the only person that I have that sort of exchange with. Mm -hmm. Um, to be able to give me like tasks like that, which is something I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've not really had a relationship like that with anyone else uh, who's ever asked me to drop what I'm doing and go put in a butt plug. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> okay. um, so yeah. like, but those, I think those things kind of develop organically as well. I mean, like I have a relationship where I will tell a person to do that, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a two-way street. Yeah, yeah, no, that completely makes sense. So, like, what you said just now about, like, how, you know, there are conflicts and polycules where, like, there's, like, two, you have two doms and they both want to be called daddy, but you don't, they don't want you to call anyone else daddy. And I wonder, you know, I, I'm sure there are definitely dynamics out there where, like, a dom, like, as a stipulation of, like, kind of being a dom will request that, like, their sub not have any other doms or, like, be, like, monogamous to them as, like, part of, like, the the ds relationship um and so you know like yeah what do you have to say about about that you know like using kind of like monogamy versus polyamory um as you know as part of kink you know like you know like i demand kind of monogamy as part of like the ds relationship or like you know i'm allowed to be polyamorous because like i am the dom you know do you know what do you know what i'm saying like the dom is poly but he wants a monogamous sub He wants basically a monopoly setup with his submissive. I think that's abusive. I don't know. That's my gut on it is like, I can do this, but you can't to me would be a huge red flag um, because that's removing somebody's autonomy and it would be different. I mean, I guess it would have to be highly negotiated, but I find this is what I find problematic about power exchange is there's this, and this is what also it makes safe wording so hard when you're in a submissive position mm. um you want to please the dom right like there's yeah. this very deep need to like please that person and to um it just it just lives in you as a submissive so when someone requests something of you that you don't want to do sometimes it's very hard to say no or the loss or feeling like a loss of status like oh well if you don't do this somebody will <laughs> because trust me somebody will like that's a hard position to be in and i find like I, I personally find my feelings 
for people in dynamic are very strong. And mm. so I think that that abuse of power or yeah. the misuse of power, it has yeah, to be taken true. very seriously. Like I take my responsibility as a dom, like very seriously. So like if I'm in a power exchange with somebody um, and I decide that that power exchange, I need to end that power exchange for whatever reason. Um, you can't just walk away from somebody in that situation. There has to be a certain amount of care behind that. So I think that those kinds of requests should be flagged and mm. dealt with and communicated around. You know, like I have a partner, Sam, who doesn't have any other partners um, and hasn't for a while. He did when we were first together and um, now he does not. And even that worries me sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, maybe you should have other partners <laughs> like, because I don't want to always. And, and like, I mean, even recently he said, can you help, can you put some criteria around like what you would want from me finding other partners? And I'm like, oh. this is a slippery slope. I don't yeah. know if I feel comfortable for that to the point then he reached out to my husband and was like, I need her to help me with this. I can't do it. He's like, can you explain to her why I need her to do this? Like, oh my God. So I was like, all right, I'm going to have, and he was like, do you understand that like autonomy is so big for her? So she maybe wouldn't want to do this for you. Like it was like a round Robin discussion and it still is not a settled issue because to me, I'm like, if I'm in a power exchange with you, even though we are in a relationship and the relationship comes first, I don't want that kind of power. Mm, mm, yeah yeah like there are some there's some types of kind of controls that you want and others that you're like oh yeah because yeah, like, like um yeah this is reminding me so, so sorry to interrupt this but like I just kind of no, really no. want to put in that like this this is like triggering a memory for me from like you know like about two or three years ago when um I entered into like a weird kind of findom relationship with someone um where like basically like this person kind of wanted me to take control of his finances and he was sending me money and I was like oh my god I don't know if I'm ready for this <laughs> like he wanted me to like send because he really he was really he really liked my voice he was really obsessed with my voice and he really wanted me to like oh uh, like I, I would read out like a cookie recipe like in my like in, in my accent <laughs> and then he'd send me money and I was just like I do audiobook narration as like a side job and yeah. I don't get paid that much like to to like read out a cookie recipe you know like um and and it was like a it was a strange time and like eventually I was just like look you know like um I'm really flattered but also like this is very strange territory for me and I'm not sure like I am ready for this kind of dynamic um so I completely yeah. understand what you mean like you know about like kind of control that's like really kind of stepping over the line for you and you're like I won't touch it's like, a lot of responsibility medical yeah, yeah like I won't touch medical stuff their family dynamics I don't want to weigh in on that shit like I you know those are things that I think get very touchy and weird um I once had a submissive who put me as his emergency contact, like the second week that we were together. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Oh God. Because it's a, here's the thing about Dom, like, you know, so so many people like, oh my God, it's so fun and sexy to be the Dom. Like you're completely in control. And it's like, no, you're, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders. (laughs) It's like a way vulnerable position to be in. Really? In my my opinion, like, Uh as a dom, I feel extremely vulnerable, like almost more so than as a submissive. It's kind of hard to explain in a way. And I don't know if it's just the way that I practice femdom because I am a gentle femdom. So I am a little bit more, 
I think that kink in general is highly emotional and highly romantic. At least I find it that way. Um, but like my submissive side, when I'm like really in it, I can be like kind of hardcore. Like I take more than anybody. I can take the most. Like, um, and so I think that there's just something different about being the person in control that, I mean, I, I'll, and I'll say this too, though, it takes me more to get there. Like in doming, it takes me a lot more thought and a lot more behind it. Whereas when I'm being submissive, especially with my husband, I don't have to think at all, which is kind of what I like about it. Um, yeah. So it, it's, yeah, it, it's a ton of responsibility, I think. And I, I think that everybody who practices doming um, really does need to take that into consideration when they mm -hmm. are doing it because it can, I mean, not so much for pickup style play, but real negotiated dynamics. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, th I think, I think that's super real. And, um, you know, as long as kind of everyone is, you know, actually kind of like properly kind of sitting down negotiating like the consequences of like certain powers that someone is taking and responsibilities that they're taking on. Like, I think most things are probably fair game um and then there are some waters that i feel like are much murkier but then again i don't know i'm you know i've been kind of actively practicing king for like a long time now but i wouldn't say i'm super hardcore and i'm i wouldn't say either that i'm like you know super experienced and knowledgeable about it so that's just kind of my perspective um i mean i always find that i'll be like i'm never gonna do that and then the next thing i know i'm like oh shit <laughs> Like, there's always some new weird shit to get into like, mm -hmm. which I love like that's what I love about kink like I was one of those that was like I like pain but I'll never give pain and then you meet someone you want to hurt and there there goes the neighborhood see I like I'm the I'm the opposite like I absolutely zero qualms about giving pain but like I am so I, I am no pain tolerance <laughs> No? Yeah, oh, like okay. my pain tolerance is, is really like embarrassingly low. It's really funny. Like someone hit me with a hairbrush once and I was like, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it takes time to build up. But when I'm in like a good place, I, yeah, I, I can take a lot, I think. Okay. I would have, have to ask my husband for sure, to be sure. But <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure. So what's your I ideal dynamic? Oh gosh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I have really an ideal dynamic, but I would say I have a lot of multi-people fantasies that include simultaneous dynamics, like playing into one another for mm. the purpose of fantasy. Mm. So like for me, the best dynamic is a group dynamic. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think like that's where that's where my brain like really gets going so like for me the ideal dynamic is like the one where I've got sort of all of these happy little kinksters and they all want to do naughty things together in multiple directions if we want to like rent a van and kidnap my husband off the street we could do that like, oh my god or <laughs> Or like, if I want to like be surprised by walking through the door and, oh my God, what's happened? I've been stolen and taken into the bedroom. And there's a, there's a mean one and a nice one. Like, oh, how lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so to me, like, that's kind of like, if I was headed to a place, that's the place I'm headed. Like, mm. I want to have a couple of really well-worn dynamics that can start to intersect with one another mm. in some really crazy ways. 
Yeah, so people kind of, you know, your partner's kind of collaborating to kind of curate, you know, something yeah, like Yeah, or like me, like, I would love to collaborate with a meta to like just do something nuts to my husband. Like, I would, love to do it. <laughs> I would oh just, where God. is she? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it, does your husband have other partners at the moment? No, not right now. Well, he has like a couple of people he's talking with. Yeah, like we kind of just had. Yeah, we had a polycule. Things have kind of chilled there. Um, mm-hmm. We're on a break of yeah sort that might okay I don't know I'm not even sure how to explain it right now so I just haven't we're kind of in a lull things are being rearranged Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. we have some play partners out there that we haven't seen in a while Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. but we're kind of you know like you know how things kind of like break apart and then they come back together yeah yeah we're in a transition transition period Um, okay okay and, and so like it's hard you know I have my dynamics obviously like with my husband and with Sam that are like well-worn and I can talk about I can talk about those pretty readily um but the new stuff is always so hard to like talk about because you're like where does it land yeah 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 (laughs) okay where we're at I do you um, have kink dynamics do you have kink dynamics that are going on um I don't I don't I've never really um apart from like that like Vendom situation I haven't (laughs) ever kind of engaged in a dynamic that was like explicitly like only kink having said that though um you know that friend I have the like the one with like the like the one who is raised woman and yeah so I have a very I have a very deep and complex relationship with them the two of us are not sexually compatible because <laughs> they are really kinky like like hardcore kinky and I I am not at least like not to that level and so if it's just the two of us like we don't have much sexual chemistry at all however like in a group scenario they will happily kind of collaborate with my partner to do stuff to me or I will collaborate with their partners to do stuff to them and it's like that in that space in which like the two of us like really shine um so like there's always going to be someone who is like the go-between bridging certain things or like so they'll they might be able to do things that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing but then like I'd be happy like you know kind of facilitating um stuff like that so like I guess like if I was going to have a kink dynamic it might be that but then it's very indirect Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting and I guess like I've never really considered it to be a kink dynamic because like I just you know we're just we're just really really good friends who like love kind of you know doing stuff for each other but right and it's yeah it's like you know but that can be like sometimes you just that's the other thing is like sometimes you just can't always define like what it is sometimes I can't even define it like till it's over yeah (laughs) oh my god one time I had this real weird like I had this online dynamic with this guy and we just called each other boy and girl and like our game was like, yeah, who can like, who can see the craziest shit and just make the other one like, like wind them up and then like break them down emotionally and oh my make God. them cry. And it was great. <laughs> I loved it. Like it added a lot to like my on the ground life. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to explore this emotion now. Like, yeah. and it, you know, it was wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look, one final story before like we wrap this up, you know, just, just to kind of further contextualize like this funny uh, dynamic that I have with my friend. Um, like, so basically, um, <laughs> I don't know if this is like way too personal to share. I don't know if this is massively TMI, but basically like I had like a really, uh, you know, one of my biggest sexual fantasies for a while was like double penetration. 
Um, and oh, I so had nice. never, it's so great. <laughs> I had never been, I had, but then I like, you know, I tried it so many times and I'd never been able to get it to work with like two, like, uh, two men. Penis, yeah. Yeah. Two penis owners because it's so hard. <laughs> it's so, I mean, or it's not it's, hard. It's so hard. Cause it's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, cause they always just like, yeah. One or the it. other goes down. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's so, I, I tried and every time it failed and then like all, everyone is frustrated. Right. So it was with a woman and a man. Right. So, so this was the successful one. Same, right? So then, like this, this friend of mine, basically, they were able to kind of facilitate that fancy by, like, you know, getting a kind of kind of getting a strap on in on the action, and then that kind of helped my partner because, like, my partner wasn't like, um, who was male, like, was not not necessarily intimidated, but you know, like, you know, sometimes things get weird, right? Like, um, yeah, the chemistry between the two guys in the TV situation, yeah, has to be like on point, yeah. Yeah, I've there, not there, met was, there has only been one man or two men who like my my partner has been like a hundred percent comfortable like doing that kind of thing with and like has like no erection problems like whatsoever because they're just like bros. Um, and unfortunately, yeah. one of them one of them is in a monogamous relationship. Sad times, but yeah, like you know, so they facilitated it one time and then they were just like, oh my god, like Leanna just kind of want to make you happy, and I was like, thank you so much, friends. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, <laughs> Annie, this has been that. so fun. Thank this you. has been so thank you much so fun much. We'll yeah. have to do it again sometime. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so uh, just a, just a quick one. I know you're on Instagram, obviously, and you have a Patreon. Yeah, I, any anywhere I else? I do have a Patreon. No, right now I'm just doing the Instagram and the Patreon. Yeah, <laughs> like follow follow Annie um, on on her social media channels. And thank bye. you so much. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happy Poly Day series. If you'd like to support my work, consider becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash polyphiliablog. You can also follow me at polyphiliablog, P-O-L-Y-P-H-I-L-I-A-B-L-O-G, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter, buy my polyamory merch at polyphiliashop.redbubble.com, or book a peer support session with me on my website, polyphilia.blog. Until next time!